Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that loves our familiars. Today we have Laura, Zoe, Julia, and Bianca. And today we're talking about witches. Um, we thought we would revisit some of Silvia Federici's writings, um, which if you have not uh, gone all the way back in the archive and listened to episode one, the episode that started it all, um, was on Silvia Federici's book, Caliban and the Witch. So we're kind of coming back to some of that, but more recent Federici writings. Um, as well as talk about how witchcraft is something that is pervasive throughout various ge- geographic spaces. Um, you know, it's similar, it's different, and what modern witchcraft looks like for people. Also, I just need everyone to know that my cat is staring at me so hard right now, oh and God. she's like, you better not fuck up this episode about me, you're familiar. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Actually, we should explain what familiars are, Zoe. Do you want to explain? Just briefly yeah, well, before we get into it more later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about it more later, but essentially familiars are like the pets that witches have. If you've seen literally any witch content, you know. I mean, it's like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She has her cat Salem. Every witch has their familiar and our familiars are our Patreon supporters. And Fuck we yes. love that for us. <laughs> we love that for us. Yes. And also most of us have pets and mine is currently staring me down. Yes. Perfect. Yes, I I will also have cats staring at me as I record this. Um, So we wanted to start off with a little bit of history about the concept of witches. Um, So the concept has been around pretty much forever for like all of recorded human history. Um, Witches are mentioned in the Bible and as early as the 1300s, Europeans would occasionally blame strange happenings on witches. Um, But in the early colonization of the Americas in the 1600s, that's really when witches took off um, as a concept for European people. So European narratives about African culture often often presume that witchcraft or demonic influence of some sort was responsible for African religious rituals. Um, Now, some African people did practice some form of magic or witchcraft. Um, They may have used different words for it. and basically considered themselves to have a role that's similar to witches or actual witches um, of communicating with gods and spirits of people who had died. Um, But witchcraft was often used by colonists as an explanation for anything they didn't understand and as an excuse to punish basically harmless activities like non-European healing practices and religious practices. Um, colonists who owned slaves would often blame just like random illnesses they had on enslaved people with no proof and then punish them. Um, And sometimes enslaved people were actually able to use this prejudice to their advantage in certain ways because there were a lot of narratives at the time about how powerful and scary African witches were. Um, So sometimes white people could be sort of scared out of certain harm they were going to do if they believed the person was a witch even if that person didn't actually practice any form of witchcraft. Um, And famously, the first woman to be accused in the Salem witch trials, which people may have heard of, was an enslaved woman. You may have heard of it, (laughs) the Salem witch trials. You might have heard of them. Um, (laughs) You know. 
Um, but yeah, so the first woman to be accused was an enslaved woman. Her name was Tichaba. Um, and accounts of the trials suggest that she was able to get out of jail by admitting to witchcraft, though she later said that she didn't do any of the things she was accused of and that she was physically abused by the family who had enslaved her until she agreed to say that she was a witch. What was the book we all, at least I had to read in high school that... Oh, The Crucible? The Crucible, thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Technically a play, I guess, but like... Right. Yeah. Goody Proctor. What a bitch. <laughs> I either wasn't assigned it or honestly didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't. Either I never had to read it in school. I just know that it's about the Salem Witch Trials. Yes. But- yeah. Yeah, we were assigned it, but it Same. was like not uh taught that well. No, obviously <laughs> not. I was just about to say, like, ugh. Big yikes. Um also the way that it's written is obviously like deeply offensive. Mm-hmm. But it's anyway. Uh just to go off of what Julia was saying, there's also uh, some modern day pop culture references that reinforce this thought specifically, like in the teen drama show Vampire Diaries, which I have recently started to do a deep dive on. Um most of the witches in the show are black and specifically African American descended from the Salem witch trials and from enslavement. Yeah, I feel like um, American Horror Story, the Coven season also references this a little bit, um, although it's less like the main thing that it's about. Um, But yeah, so then moving into the 1700s, um, there was sort of this melding that happened of Native African beliefs and Indigenous American beliefs, and then European beliefs about Christianity, which were enforced on people and were the only things that indigenous Americans and enslaved people were legally allowed to practice. Um, So these were kind of combined in different ways in different geographic regions to create different religious practices, um, a lot of which still exist in some form. Um, These include practices like voodoo in Louisiana and Santeria in Cuba. Um, These types of practices often have a concept of good witchcraft that's used to protect people from evil, cleanse people of negative forces and detect bad witchcraft. And then there's bad witchcraft, which can be used to hurt people and generally sort of take power over people without their consent. Um, Unsurprisingly, the early European understanding of these religions did not distinguish between these two at all. Mm. So often someone who was practicing witchcraft in order to protect their communities from evil would end up being punished for being in league with the devil, even though that wasn't what they understood themselves to be doing at all. So generally there's just a lot of misunderstanding in how um, Europeans viewed these witch and witchy practices. Yeah, I also kind of wanted to talk about the white colonial understandings of witchcraft and how dangerous that was. Like specifically, I guess this is sort of an example or a case study. But as I was doing research for this episode, I came across the history of Nanny of the Maroons, who was the leader of the Maroons in the 18th century. And for those who don't know, the Maroons were a group of formerly enslaved Africans who escaped enslavement in Jamaica and set up free communities in the mountainous interior of the island, away from the colonizers who settled on the coastline. And so throughout the 19th century, there were a lot of wars between the British colonizers in Jamaica and the Maroons who lived in the inlands. And those wars were called the Maroon Wars. And notably in the first Maroon War, where the Maroons were led by Nanny, 
Uh, that war caused the British so many losses that they surrendered and then signed a peace treaty with the Maroons. And that peace treaty stopped the warfare and also granted state-sanctioned freedom to the Maroons and also 500 acres of land to Nanny and her followers. Um, and so a lot of the success that the Maroons faced in, or had in battle was due to just a number of factors, including their skills in camouflage and guerrilla warfare and technological advances that allowed them to communicate over long distances and survey the battleground. And these sorts of pieces of technology were just like incomprehensible to the British forces. Um, but many of the Maroons also attributed their success to supernatural powers they believed Nanny to have. Uh, she was a practitioner of Obea, which is a set of beliefs and practices revolving around spiritual healing, charms, magic, and mysticism that was developed by enslaved and formerly enslaved Africans in the Caribbean. And it's still practiced to this day there. Um, and just in the things I had read about it, it seems like it's uh, difficult to come up with like a concise or uniform or all encompassing definition of it just because there are so many facets to the practice. And some scholars have argued that Obeya is not synonymous with, with witchcraft because witchcraft is only one facet of everything that it includes. But in any case, some of the first textual references to the term obeya in its anglicized form, so in other words, texts that were written by colonizers, were in reference to Nanny specifically, and often in derogatory ways that painted her as quote unquote savage or bloodthirsty. So we're seeing this like white colonial interpretation of witchcraft as by default bad witchcraft. Um, and of course, the white colonizers having been defeated in battle were quick to criminalize obeya in Jamaica arguing that the practice was connected to poisoning and thereby leading many black Jamaican enslaved women specifically to be accused of poisoning their masters and then arrested and charged with practicing obeya. So it's another example of how reductive, racist, colonial understandings of witchcraft can often be harmful because colonizers had co-opted their definitions of witchcraft to advance their own settler-minded agendas. Uh, but in reality, as you know, many, or as uh, I've been saying, as Julia has been saying, many African and Afro-Caribbean spiritual practices, including Obeya, are extremely multifaceted and require a complex understanding of so many things in the universe. Absolutely, um, and I I would echo what you're saying by adding that um, also in several or in what is now the United States, the indigenous people who lived in this current hellscape country, um, they're like the conversion therapy camps and like conversion or what were they called? Were they just called conversion schools? The boarding schools? Yeah. I feel like it's I think they like, were just called boarding schools, but obviously they were like violent boarding schools. Yeah. So essentially, the United States government used this tactic against Native Americans and the Canadian government did it against people indigenous to Canada as well. Um, there, there are these schools um, that were extremely harsh. The students had to completely abandon um, any ties to their ancestral knowledge. Um, and this was uh, often cited as being out of fear for these same these same things. Um, and I just wanted to uh, give a reminder, and we've talked about this on our previous episodes on witches, but if you are someone who practices various witch-related things like tarot or spells and you are white, it's extremely sh- 
important to make sure you're not co-opting a lineage of witchcraft that does not belong to you. Being intentional about making your astrology, tarot, and anything else you do anti-colonial and anti-racist is really critical to any continued practice of these things. And there are plenty of versions of all of these practices that are ubiquitous and have happened around the world. So there's no need for anyone to be co-opting things that don't belong to them. Yeah, there's also like closed practices and open practices. So open practices are things that, as Laura was saying, are, um, you know, practices that have happened in different places and are open to like, it's okay to do things that are a different culture. If that is an open practice, whereas closed practices are things that the people of that culture are like, please do not do this. Um, so there is a difference and it's just important to like, look into it before you do it. Yeah, definitely. I also just wanted to add, um, like you were saying, Laura, about the boarding schools that, there was a lot of trauma around why enslaved people developed these religions in the way that they did. Um, For example, Europeans would often try to separate people who spoke the same African language so that it would be harder for them to communicate and like push back against the extreme oppression they were facing. Um, So that also meant that people who had the exact same religious beliefs would often be separated. And that's part of how these more piecemeal practices started coming together Um, And the fact, of course, that Christianity was like legally enforced on people. Um, Yeah, I also I wanted to talk a little bit about. So as Europeans themselves started creating their own narratives about witches, um, we talked a little bit about Gothic literature on the last episode. um, So I wanted to bring in just a little bit of that history um, and talk about this amazing book called The Monk that was written in the late 1700s. Um, If you're a fan of like any of that kind of like time period of writing like Jane Austen, I highly recommend reading this book because it's crazy. Um, It really should be called The Witch instead of The Monk. But anyway, so just a little bit of background about Gothic novels from this time. Um, The typical narrative was often about you know, basically an evil or somewhat like negatively coded man who seduces a woman. Um, Seduction at the time meant something much more similar to sexual assault as we think of it now, but basically who does something to harm a woman in order to be with her, to have sex with her, to marry her, whatever his goal is. Um, And sometimes these narratives painted this as like good, like this man is getting what he wants and that's good. And sometimes, as we discussed a little bit last week, women kind of used this type of narrative to question sexual norms and show how the existing gender roles at the time were really oppressive and scary for women and queer people and other marginalized authors at the time. Um, One example of that type of more negative portrayal um, is the writing of the Marquis de Sade, who people may have heard of. He's where sadism comes from. He wrote um, all of these novels basically about really intense abuse and harm of women. It's unclear if he viewed this negatively or not, Um, but he has this novel called Justine, which is basically a catalog of like a good Christian girl undergoing all of these various abuses, um, horrific sexual abuses, including being assaulted by a bunch of monks who she thinks are going to like help her because they're religious and good. Um, So it's all about how basically she's like the good Christian woman. She stays good throughout it all and she dies at the end and it's like sad. 
Um, so the monk kind of turns this type of narrative on its head. The main character is a witch named Matilda um, and she seduces a male monk. So she's kind of flipping the typical gender roles. Um, and then she sort of tricks him into assaulting other women in more of a typical Gothic narrative. Um, but she's sort of operating behind the scenes. Um, so this is kind of tricky because this book was written by a man. So we could read mm -hmm. this as just like blaming bad men's actions on like an evil woman who's behind the scenes, like the witch who's controlling men and making them do evil things. Um, but it could also be read as the monk being the type of guy who wanted to do this all along. And Matilda sort of eggs him on, but ultimately just like exposes that he is a bad man. Um, and at the end, it's revealed that Matilda, the witch, is working for the devil to rack up this guy's sins so that he just like can't get into heaven. Um, so I think like in the context that this was written, the idea of getting into heaven was that like, if you had bad thoughts, like if you really wanted to kidnap and assault a bunch of women, but if you were a monk and you were you never acted on any of those thoughts, that was like fine. Um, so in this context, it's kind of like the witch is a figure who exposes the evil desires that quote unquote good men have to prevent them from getting into heaven or being seen as good guys by the community when they're really not. Um, so this is kind of like a classic example of how witches can be presented in Gothic literature as figures who sort of expose or help um, show others around them, particularly other women, like who the evil men are and who can reveal that truth to people. I just looked up if the if uh, Roe Dahl had written the character Matilda based on this character. Oh my god. Oh my I god. could not find anything <laughs> conclusive. But the That would be really cool because he also does have the book about the witches. Oh well so... Rodol was dark as fuck. Yeah. I used to be obsessed with him and he has some very, very, very dark writing like for adults. Um, yeah, so I would he also, not be surprised. Unfortunately, was quite anti-Semitic. Oh, fuck. his writing yeah. is—I I loved his books as a kid, but yeah, then I found that out, and I was like, "Damn, god damn it!" Oh my god, there's no one good. It's fine, yeah. but either no way, except us. Oh my god, do you guys? <laughs> my cat just jumped here. onto my head. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Why is gonna say brag the actress who played Matilda Mara Wilson, who is Jewish, faved one of our episodes one time? So, oh my us. god, that is yes. amazing. Okay, well then <laughs> we win. <laughs> it was when we did. Also, it was when we did the Jewish Solidarity episode. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Wow, that's great. <laughs> that really turned oh, everything gosh. around. How did I never put together that this Mara Wilson, who I see on Twitter all the time, played Matilda? I literally never put that together. That's Matilda. I know. I feel like I, I always have that moment where I'm like, wait, like, why is this person big on Twitter again? And then I'm like, oh man, yeah, she's Matilda. I wow. I would love her to come on the pod. Um, Mara, if you're listening, open invitation for Mara want. Wilson. Yeah, we love come on you. <laughs> If anyone knows her and wants to do that, that would be great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Make it happen. Anyway, I wanted to um, read this quote from Sylvia Federici, which is about what a witch is, um, at least in her, of course, like European understanding. Um, but I really like this quote. The witch was a woman of ill repute who in her youth had engaged in lewd, promiscuous behavior. She'd often had children out of wedlock and her demeanor 
contradicted the model of femininity that through the law, the pulpit, and the reorganization of the family was imposed on the female population of Europe during this period. At times, she was a healer and practitioner of various forms of magic that made her popular in the community, but this increasingly signaled her as a danger to the local and national power structure in its warfare against every form of popular power. Yeah. Um, Sylvia also talks about how witches were women, quote, who resisted their impoverishment and social exclusion. They threatened, cast reproachful looks, and cursed those who refused to help. We must also add the increasingly misogynist institutional policy that confined women to a subordinate social position with respect to men. So essentially the women who were like, fuck this shit, were considered witches in this European context. Um, Also, when we think about witch hunts, it's not something that can be separated from misogyny um, and or colonialism, um, depending on the context. Sylvia writes, through the witch hunts, then, a, social, a new social and ethical code was imposed that made any source of power independent of state and church, suspect of di- diabol- diabolism, and brought the fear of hell, the fear of absolute evil on earth. That its embodiment was commonly assumed to be a woman was to have profound comp consequences for the condition of women in the capitalist world that the witch hunts helped to construct it divided women it taught them by that by becoming accomplices of the war against the quote witches and helping and accepting the leadership of men in this regard they could acquire the protection that would save them from the hangman or the stake it taught them above all all to accept the place assigned to them in the developing capitalist society for once it was accepted that women could become servants of the devil suspicion of diabolism would accompany a woman every moment of her life um and she goes into describing that witch hunts still happen today um all around the world in kenya alone there's been over a hundred people murdered in the last two decades for witchcraft a Ghanaian sociologist, Menza Adinkra, writes, In recent years, the infliction of violence against suspected or accused witches has emerged as a major form of human rights abuse in Africa. Many local and international media agencies have reported scores of people being threatened, intimidated, tortured, or murdered on suspicion of witchcraft. Um, and similar to any flawed policing system that is accusing people of something scary, uh, it can be for any reason, right? Like we've talked about, I think, in length about this political moment and being able to be pulled over for any reason if you're black or trans or whatever the situation is. Like people can be accused of witchcraft for almost anything. Yeah, I also just wanted to throw in briefly that um, one of the big reasons that witches as a concept were popularized in Europe was because of this book that was called Malus Maleficarum, which means the hammer of witches. And it was like basically a guide on how to destroy witches. So this idea of like how to punish witches has really always been a part of like why the concept has been popular and like a way to punish people who just don't conform to what society wants them to do, especially women. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think particularly in this context, because we're talking in a historical sense, when we say women, it it encompasses a lot more of what would be presently in that situation, because at mm-hmm. the time, I don't think people ha- felt like they had language or words for being non-binary and transness was like so persecuted that many people did not or many people lived a lie in their skin essentially so that for their own safety and protection um so i just wanted to say that like when we're talking about women you know that's a more complicated thing now but historically and when we're talking about these things like that that is really how these misogynistic things kind of were carried out yeah totally and like we've been talking about it also intersects with all of these other identities like race like a lot of black men were punished for being witches as well so definitely it's something that I think like cut across identities in different ways um but punishment of women was definitely a big part of why it became so popular yeah for sure um, so I wanted to talk about covens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Heard of them. Heard of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I guess I just wanted to be like a Venus Pisces about it for a second because. I was really just going to say Laura's going to be crying in 30 to 60 seconds. Laura will be tearing up. <laughs> it's That's my bet. Roasted. Laura's um, like, I already am. I'm like, you, it's fine. It's oh. fine. The thing is, I think for me, as someone who like wasn't like other girls, whatever, whatever the fuck that means, <laughs> when I was a kid, um, I never really felt connected to a group of people who weren't cis men. I feel like a lot of the people in my life were cis men. Anyway. So I just think uh, there's been something really empowering to me about this thing that is this almost like unbreakable bond. And it's like not necessarily blood related, although it can be, but it's like mostly like a decision. And I think the idea of Coven's has an aspect of queerness to it because it feels like a chosen family and a lot of queer people have to like obviously have that experience because many of us are not accepted in our own families um and I just think having people of marginalized gender identities coming together in this ride or die fashion um it's been really awesome (laughs) (laughs) there's I'm I'm surrounded by water signs and I like can't handle it (laughs) Zoe you know you love me too I do I'm I just like you're it's just too much there's just I can like feel all of your emotions (laughs) through the call (laughs) and that's why I love you all (laughs) but yeah um I also wanted to emphasize how having these um close friendships (laughs) for the people at home Laura is sobbing (laughs) No, I'm actually <laughs> fine. Well, I was gonna say I wish I could hug you, but maybe, maybe I guess you don't need it. I need hugs always from you. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm crying. 
Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to emphasize how specifically like having close friendships, um, especially with my cat is going insane, especially with my cat. Um, <laughs> uh, also that, but especially with women and other people of marginalized identities are explicitly like an anti-capitalist um, notion. So this is something that I learned from Sylvia's newer book. Um, which is witch hunting and women, which I think was like 2017 it came out. But she talks about the etymology of the term gossip. And this like fascinated me so much. So originally gossip, the root word meant like essentially a godparent. It was someone who was like spiritually um, like a guardian for someone else's child. And then from there, it meant like, oh my God, cat, behave yourself. I love you too. Okay. She's like, what? (laughs) Um, Anyway, (laughs) from there, gossip meant like a really close friend. So it was like a woman's best friend who would like come over and they would like chat and talk about everything and like help each other with childcare and everything like that. And then in order to like demonize close female friendships um, and like relegate women to like alienation and being on their own, because of course it's Dis- a disadvantage to capitalism if women talk about their material conditions and decide to collectively do something about it. Um, so that's how gossip got this like negative connotation. It was to like deter women from talking to each other and make it seem like a bad thing if women like formed friendships essentially. And confided in each other about the bullshit that the men in their lives did to them. Exactly. Wow, that's so interesting. I also feel like I don't know about the etymology, but um like a lot of latin american cultures have the concept of chisme which is like it does mean gossip but it doesn't really have the same like negative connotations i love chisme gossip in english so yeah it's like sometimes you just like have to say chisme because it's like gossip sounds bad but like it's not necessarily so that's really interesting like i'm curious if maybe it developed differently in spanish so that it didn't necessarily have those same connotations Hmm. but um, well, should we turn to talking about modern witches? Yes. Um, Brooklyn wants to say hi first. <laughs> That's my cat for the people at home. Hi, yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, starting the most important modern witch, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. She really is. Guys, she, okay, I'm not even kidding. This girl teleported the other day. She was downstairs. <laughs> this girl was downstairs. By this girl, I mean my cat. And I, I like you know said like hey what's up went upstairs and she was sitting on my bed (laughs) oh my god wow she teleported i'm convinced i do kind of think cats can teleport i think that's something i'm learning as well because she has really loud footsteps like she has huge feet and i didn't hear her and like you can hear her coming she like (laughs) tramples oh my gosh oh my god um wow yeah cats are so <laughs> so witchy it's so true um okay so i think we wanted to start Wait, we out should by... say before we go into this we should say what specific animal that we know would be our familiar oh my gosh wait what do you Ooh. mean like pick your familiar you obviously have brooklyn but i mean like <laughs> for the rest of us like oh. one specific animal or like what species no it's got to or... be one specific animal that you oh know. okay that's what i was also wondering if you meant what kind of animal or like an animal i mean like an animal to be, okay. that you feel like, a spiritual connection with okay i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Well, see, this is hard for me because I have two cats. So it's like hard to pick one of them. But I think my partner and I have established that one of our cats, Fred, is like not really spooky at all. She's just such a like funny, like she just like sprawls on things and like falls all the time. She does a lot of physical comedy. So it's like not very spooky. And Marty is like pretty spooky and sometimes just like sits in the corner silently like a haunted child. So I feel like Marty is a little bit more of the familiar like witch side of cats. And Fred is more of like, you know, the happy-go-lucky, gonna sit on your head while you're trying to sleep type of cat, which is also important. Oh my gosh. I have no pets. So I like find it so hard to answer this question. My my immediate thought was like not a specific animal but I like I feel like it's a really hot take of mine that I really love snakes like I love Ooh, like I, I love, love snakes, snakes also I, I like, every, see you with a snake familiar yeah every time like I say that I like snakes everyone's like whoa like I don't like snakes at all they're so scary I'm like yeah I know they're like poisonous like whatever like but like <laughs> the snake that I but a lot of them aren't yeah a (laughs) lot of them aren't of course the ones that are poisonous like that's bad if they bite someone but like the snake (laughs) that I would have would either be depending if it's a bad person like maybe (laughs) it's like an attack dog but an attack snake exactly but I would have a colorful snake like with like lots of different stripes and stuff Wow. Ugh, I well, love that yeah. for you. That, I mean, that opens up a whole thing, right? Like, I yes, I think I would probably have a bat as a familiar if I like, but I was thinking of my best friend's dog, Sid, is probably my favorite. I love Sid. What kind of dog? She, she's a papillon <laughs> and <Aww>. she is <laughs> blind as fuck. She's got milky white eyes. She can't oh. see for shit. And she loves me so much and I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so cute. Also, I do have a, a cute story about my OG familiar, which for y'all, she's my background. This is my little baby tiger lily. Oh, me bottle feeding her. So I had tiger lily from when I was five until I was like 22. And she was like truly my soulmate. This is my real life life familiar. But so when I was in kindergarten, we had to go around and like say who our best friend was, which is a very weird exercise to like do with children. Yeah. But I said that my best friend was my cat. And <laughs> That's I, got so iconic. So, I got so bullied for that. That's fucked up. But um great. That's answer. that's like my OG witch stories. Yeah, I was five and I was like, my best friend's my cat. <laughs> and everyone's like, you loser. <laughs> they're the losers wow yeah, yeah i wish i could go on. back in time and tell them that they are the losers <laughs> <Me too. laughs> yeah oh my god um yeah okay so modern witches let's start out by talking about the craft yes. which is an amazing movie um i know laura just watched it recently i watched it somewhat recently as well um this is really just an amazing movie if you haven't seen it go watch it right now, pause the episode, go watch it, then come back. Um, but right, also, Julie, I inadvertently watched it with you at that social event. Oh my God, yeah, I forgot about that. Wow. <laughs> this is like going back into the season of the bitch lore. Yeah, so yes, I have organized a socialist film screening of this movie before. And I attended. <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah, God. so I mean- 
basically it's just about this group of four friends this new girl moves to town and she meets up with this other group of three girls um and they all have like sort of a specific trait that they're made fun of for and they get to kind of reclaim those traits and take power over people that they wouldn't typically have power over by being witches um so some of the people that they take on include a terrible slut shaming boy in their class a racist bully and an abusive stepfather all the sort of people that we just wish we could destroy in life. Racist but we... bully played by the one and only Marsha Brady. Uh, yes, very important. <laughs> it's really yeah. a hilarious role for her. <laughs> and her hair falls out, which is really funny. Um, even though that this, this film does like address some issues of racism, um, but it's also like a little bit problematic in its depiction, um, which I just want to like address and make sure we talk about that. Um, so Rochelle, who is the one black girl in the friend group, she's kind of the only character who has to like forgive her tormentor. And that's like an important part of her narrative where it's not really for the other girls. Um, and race is just kind of not named explicitly in the film. Like she has a racist bully, but they really don't talk about it. Um, and also the actress who played her Rachel True has been treated kind of badly since the film came out, um, like fan conventions and stuff have not invited her and invited the other three white actresses. Um, and she's tweeted about this and done like a really great thread about it on Twitter, which people can look up. Um, basically she's awesome, but she has faced some mistreatment from like this, basically like her legacy not being fully included in this film. So just to be clear, we stand Rachel True. You can also come on the pod, open invitation. Yeah, Rachel, if you're listening, please come on the yes. podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Because of the storyline specifically with the abusive uh, like stepfather. Um, mm, yeah. I think that this particular storyline, this dynamic of an, a man who abusing a woman or possibly multiple women in this case. Um, and S Sylvia Federici describes, uh, sorry, I had written it as saliva, um, s describes that a lot of witchcraft uh, is as a means for survival or to stop, try to stop the horrors that are happening to predominantly women at the hands of predominantly men. Yeah. Another... Um pop culture i wanted to talk about is the love witch oh god my cat has found a bell i like every time i unmute myself she's like it's chaos time <laughs> it's chaos like, time she knows she's she like was, she was quietly laying on my bed and then i unmuted myself and she was like i found a bell <laughs> well i love well Demon. the chaos Demon. with you about the love witch is you getting the eyeshadow oh my god i forgot that i did that <laughs> oh my god how could you forget okay so there is an iconic teal eyeshadow that the Love Witch wears, and I did purchase it during quarantine. Brooklyn, yes. my love, my beautiful angel, please stop. Stop it. Okay, so I do have the eyeshadow. <laughs> I am also being driven insane by this cat. Uh, but yeah, the Love Witch is like one of my all-time favorite movies um, because it's basically perfect. It came out in 2016, but it's super stylized to imitate like 60s technicolored film. Um, and they they shot it on film. Um, it's very like psychedelic vibes and the fashion, including the eyeshadow is iconic. Yes. My cat just fell behind my radiator. I don't know wh why I haven't watched this yet because I know you're obsessed with it. 
It's so good. It is like really long. So mm. be warned. It's it's a commitment. And okay. you will think it's ending about seven times before it ends, but it's worth it until the very end. Um, <laughs> I feel like though, I mean, okay, I'm just, it's it says it's two hours, which I feel like, I don't know, like whatever, like Avengers or stuff like that can That's be like true. three hours long. So if yeah. you can sit through that, you can probably watch The Love Witch also. Oh, I'm I sure mean, it's way better than The Avengers. Can right. and should, it's way better. <laughs> Another thing I really like about it is that, so we didn't get that much into like what's considered good magic and bad magic, but um, personally, I'm really against any kind of like love or sex magic that's intended to like make someone desire someone else that they like wouldn't naturally because Mm -hmm. I think that's super problematic. I think that's a really slippery slope in terms of consent. Um, And that in a lot of media, it's painted like, oh, like love magic is so innocent and like hexing is bad. And it's like, no. firm disagree but the movie does show like how fucked up her love magic is like that's the plot so I think it's like self-aware in that way of like it's very like be careful what you wish for um and she like knows that and also major spoiler so sorry that you haven't watched it yet but she literally carves a cop's heart out of his chest yes Um, holy shit so it's just an amazing movie yes (laughs) Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about Sabrina, uh, particularly the modern Sabrina. I did watch the, the like, 90s version version of Sabrina when I was younger, but I feel like I don't remember it enough to really remember anything. And also, uh, that person who played Sabrina is now, like, an evangelical Christian. But she oh is. Oh, my God. She is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she, That's like, so does some upsetting. crazy shit. But oh, I so did not know that. I'm talking about the more recent Sabrina that's on Netflix. Um, and I think this is a pretty common uh, storyline that I just know that Sabrina does a lot. But witches are often uh, portrayed as hot people who are very sexually liberated. Um, and I think that there's a lot of connection between sexuality and witchcraft. Most witches and warlocks depicted in pop culture are very sexually open and fluid. So that I wanted to bring up, and particularly like we see it in this with Sabrina's cousin Ambrose, with Nick, with Prudence Blackwood, and with Aunt Zelda. Yeah, definitely. I also, I feel like one thing that I like about those types of depictions of witches is that like women are often accused of being witches because they violate social sexual norms. Um, So it can kind of work in the reverse where it's like identifying as a witch can then allow you to escape certain sexual norms, um, though potentially also expose you to like more discrimination. Um, Another movie that kind of touches on this idea is The Witch, which is more of a horror movie. Um, But it's kind of about the same idea that's like, if you're already facing danger for not conforming to social sexual expectations then why not just go all the way and at least get some power back over the people who are oppressing you um yeah i also just love the idea that witches are just hot people because i think that's true hell yeah um now i was just looking up that (laughs) melissa joan hart said (laughs) to speaking about people who are not christians uh 
like because she wanted to send her son to a Christian preschool. Uh, she said, quote, we don't know if these people are good people. We don't know if they believe in Jesus. Hmm. I'm horrified to hear this about Melissa Joan yeah. Hart because I love yeah. the 90s Sabrina. Me too. It's Is, like so campy and fun. Salem hasn't been canceled, right? As long as Salem's still good, I'll be happy. Who Which voiced Salem? Is Do we know? Like puppet cat for anyone who doesn't Yeah, but who know. voiced Salem? <laughs> no, no, real question. Salem honestly was like kind of a creepy cat. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the thing him, is, you though, can still I feel like, like he's it. a queer icon. He's like so shady and like. Yeah. Um. Wow. I don't actually know. I'm Her having a hard like, time finding out who voiced him. How dare you speak of another cat? Yes. <laughs> Um, so also in Sabrina, there's a lot of pushing back against Satan himself um, and lift, lifting up Lilith. Um, so again, a lot of like feminist storylines going on there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also just think that the whole concept of like a group of women living together and supporting each other without men is something that can be really viewed with suspicion in mainstream society. Um, so thinking about the original Sabrina, even though we now know that it there, you know, there's some issues with Melissa Joan Hart, but the show was really cool because it kind of used the excuse of like, they're all witches to sneak in this really like subversive family model into a mainstream sitcom um so i think that's something that's kind of cool about it also yeah absolutely um okay so i know that i talked about this a little bit on our vampire episode because we talked about buffy but in buffy the vampire slayer there are witches um and i'm gonna specifically talk about the gay (laughs) storyline obviously, of Willow and Tara. Um, And so Willow um, meets Tara. Tara is also into witchcraft. Tara is kind of like a quote-unquote good witch. And what I mean by that is she's really not trying to cause harm to other people. Um, Then Tara's murdered, and and then Willow literally hulks out and almost takes out the entire planet because her love for Tara runs so deep. Um, and I just wanted to bring it up because I just think there's again this this idea of a fine balance between like good witch, bad witch. And also like I feel like any person who's like of supernatural, whether it's vampire, witch, um, werewolf, they're known for having very heightened emotions, right? Like werewolves are known for heightened aggression and all these things. And so I think there is this general um, correlation between like how how volatile these characters are. Yeah, totally. Um, I also wanted to mention um, Worst Witch, which um, which, which, which is a, a, originally was a series of children's books that was published in 1974 by Jill Murphy. There's been several film and TV adaptations since then, including most recently a Netflix show that started in 2017. Um, essentially, it's about a young girl who's from a non-magical family and she goes to a boarding school for witches. The school is a castle that's surrounded by enchanted forests and she takes all these like witch classes like potion classes, spell casting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And also there's this like preppy blonde rich girl who is her enemy from day one. And if that all sounds familiar, it's because 
that is what Harry Potter was stolen from, or at least one of the things that Harry Potter was stolen from. Um, the similarities like truly go on and on. Worst Witch is much better, but if you Google like Harry Potter ripped off Worst Witch, there's like a bunch of links that like compare them one to one, and it's like very fucked up and disturbing. No time mm. like the present to repeat again that J.K. Rowling is a cunt. <laughs> A transphobic piece of shit. True. I have all mentions of her muted on Twitter and her account muted. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, Lita's theory is that she didn't actually write the books. Which well, yeah. what she did was rip them off. Yeah. From worse. Right. Well, she we, did write you know, seven maybe books. other people also helped her rip them off. Who even knows? Yeah, but- I mean, true. That's so interesting. I didn't even know about like that the fact that Harry Potter was ripped off from this, but I did love this series as a kid. Um, it's really I, cute. I also just wanted to plug um, Diana Wynne Jones, who has this series called the Crestomancy series, which is also about kids who are witches, and it's way better than Harry Potter. So if you need something to replace like your Harry Potter obsession because J.K. Rowling is canceled, definitely check out Worst Witch and Crestomancy. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah, and, you know, (laughs) I would be remiss if I didn't do my favorite thing, which is shit-talking Alyssa Milano. (laughs) And I felt like the best way to do that is to kind of weave in the the show Charmed, um, because obviously it's about three sisters that are witches. Um, They are the charmed ones. Uh... And in the 90s version, Alyssa Milano plays one of the characters. And first of all, uh, Alyssa Milano plays one of the sisters. Another one of the sisters literally gets killed off the show because she cannot continue to work with Alyssa Milano. Then Rose McGowan comes in. I did not in, know that. Takes that person's place. So Rose McGowan uh like popularized the me too movement and wrote a book about it and all the things um and when it first started of course Alyssa milano hopped right on that train um and i hate even saying that because obviously i don't mean like i'm not invalidating her experiences but now what we're seeing is Alyssa milano removed all of her me too hashtags from her profiles and and deleted every single tweet she had about it once she started campaigning for joe biden because (laughs) people in the me too movement were like you cannot have been you could like you were a champion for this cause and then like when people came forward Tara Reed Tara Reed came forward thank you um like you needed to to show up in the way that you were advocating for and so then Alyssa Milano led this whole campaign that was like no like you can believe some men and all this shit and so, like, Rose Ugh. McGowan and her have gotten into a massive, massive Twitter feud over this. And honestly, like, I will now hate watch Charmed because of Alyssa Milano, but she's truly the scum of the earth and gives all witches everywhere a bad name. You hate to see it. You hate to, hate see, to it. see it. Yeah. No, witches no who people. don't support other witches are the worst you know that's true exactly. what's the quote there's a special place in hell for witches who don't support other witches it's i was gonna try to think of a satan joke but it didn't come to me <laughs> that's the whole joke that's yeah it. <laughs> 
as always, thanks for tuning in. That was our, I don't know, third witch episode. So if you don't know about witches by now, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I like doing the outro because I just like to like roast our audience. I know. Um, I love when you do them too. They're the most chaotic outros. <laughs> oh, it's true. But um, we do love you all. And if you love us back, you can show us by signing up for our Patreon. And becoming our familiars. <laughs> and becoming our familiars. Um, if you have literally $1 per month to spare or more, if you have it or more, up to you. That's your call. At, <laughs> at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. You can also follow us for free because, you know, we're of the people on Twitter and Instagram at Season of the Bee. You can go to our website that Bianca has been beautifully revamping at seasonofthebee.com. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, also, we're now on Spotify as of a month or two ago. So that's exciting and or you can email us at season of the at gmail.com we'll read it eventually uh if you're lucky <laughs> just kidding we have promised we've promised to read them and we will as i'm checking uh, them right now let's see <laughs> oh it's all shit it doesn't matter it's all these things that are like for immediate release this thing about the, the thing. democrats oh, and i'm yeah. like i don't give a fuck yeah that's the thing. If your email yeah, is interesting, we will read it, though. Uh, I think that's everything. <laughs> I'm so tired. Well, now the, tired. there's this book that's called Blue Light of the Screen on Horror, Ghosts, and God. Or is this like a wreck? This is someone's trying to give us a oh, oh like an a, email. A review. Yeah, this is an email. I'm reading our. I'm, open, I'm unboxing on the air. I'm unboxing our email. I see. I see. Unboxing. So sound off in the comments. Because I was like, "Is that everything?" And you're like, "Oh, there's this book." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> go read it." <laughs> Promo. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I love you all. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Season of the Bitch. Oh.